a clinical and organizational psychologist, relationship expert, OD and capacity building specialist, executive coach and speaker, Dr. Matthews Kajene, has over 20 years of corporate and leadership experience, providing support to both teams and organizations to excel and become the very best versions of themselves. In a world geared towards growth, unfortunately through overconsumption in many areas, and the drive to reach externally validating milestones, Dr. Kajene explores the importance of having a healthy, balanced relationship between the inner and outer world of our beings, a balance of both the self and spirit. Here he shares with us how to bring forward the wealth of knowledge that remains within the spirit and lives within us, the dimension of our inner beings. According to the great depths that he is challenging us to go to, wanting to find a relationship and marriage between what is our inner spiritual world and the outer world that we often have to engage and how is it that we can create a healthy relationship and balance. With that, I'd like to invite Dr. Kajene. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. and welcome. Thanks for the platform and the opportunity to engage on this um, wonderful afternoon. Let me first uh, just put things in context in terms of what I'm going to be engaging on. Um, spirituality and well-being quite dynamic in terms of the presentation and in terms of what I was asked to talk to. But as a way of introduction, um, let, me, let me engage on, on this part. Um, this summit takes place in the backdrop of Mental Health Month. And this year, we, it's, it's uh, commemorated on the 10th of October under the theme, Making Mental Health and Wellbeing uh, for All a Priority. With that in mind, the wellness pillars have already been explained. And I, I suppose I'll be looking at some of the elements that have been raised in that very context. But what I want to, to focus more on is that as you look at what we're discussing today, the complexities of intergenerational relationships, they go without saying. In a sense that we've got issues around older people versus younger people, older men versus younger men, older women versus younger women, and we've got gender dynamics in context. And of course, we're in the digital era where we've got a number of engagements that are talking to how complex do we navigate through these relational issues and complexities that cuts across all of these issues that I've mentioned already. But the idea or the main tenet for all of us is to cultivate intergenerational coexistence. And I think that operative with the coexistence, it, it, it cuts across a number of dimensions which we need to be able to, to look through in, in a better context. Now, when we, we continue in terms of that particular space, the neuroscience of relationships talks to this uh, five key issues the extent of attachment, the experience of empathy, social engagement, personal emotional regulation, and generally a sense of self 
as engaged within a relational space. Now, let's look into the neuroscience of spirituality. Again, touches on four key elements. And the four key elements, they talk to sense of purpose, meaning, values, as well as internal harmony. So spirituality links to the extent to which I'm purposeful, I'm driven, there's meaning, there's value-based engagement, but within me, this internal harmonization, self and the world. Now, further contextualization of spirituality now in a family space where I needed to go just a little bit as well. Within a family context, we've got number of intergenerational context of transferred norms and values. The unit family, and I also refer to whether it's traditional family or even non-traditional, because we are now in a different space where what was most typically viewed as family is no longer the same. Family right now, it's a place where one or more people coexist in a way that gives or empowers the relational space in which they find themselves. But again, the important part there is, what is the importance, what is the value, and what is the purpose of family? We know and understand that these, they continue to be repurposed for different reasons and for preferred interactional models. Every family runs its own family affairs or it relates on a different, sp different space and within which that particular harmonious engagement is supposedly taking place. But we've also noted that changes in the family structure in the mixed and intergenerational context presents a lot of challenges to which we're saying, what is the context of adjustment and the inherent quality of relationships that we require in that regard? We then go into the space of redefining where we find ourselves. Family time versus gadget time. At times it's either indicated or assumed, or it just happens spontaneously where everybody's seated around the table, but they can maybe all catching up on their emails. So our definition of family time, it now uh, varies from family to family, but we always go back to say, when is the family connecting? When is the family conducting its own check-ins? And family, it can be a couple with children, a couple with no children, extended families in the African context. We've got large families where we can, grandparents are there, aunts are there, uncles are there, nieces and nephews are there. But when is the time for family check-ins? How was school? How was work? How are you doing? You don't look good. You know, all of these parts are context of family check-ins. Now, continuing on the same level of, of uh, contextualizing spirituality, remember purpose, meaning, harmony, uh, all of these elements. Now, we've got a new pandemic in family and social context, which is called toxic masculinity. Now, what are we talking about here? Negative aspects of exaggerated masculine traits. Now, we put this this elements within a family and a social environment. What does it do? We talk about this concept being a harmful concept 
of masculinity, which places significant importance on manliness based on the following. Strength, emotionlessness, self-sufficiency, dominance, sexual virility. And if a male does not display enough of these traits, may fall short of being a real man. Now, if we are to change these parts, we talk about the resocialization of boys and men. Now, remember, if you bring um, spirituality into relational context within family and social elements, you then say, how does this toxic masculinity you know, impose or even affect the dynamics of interpersonal relationships? What are the examples that we, we see of toxic masculinity? Aggression. Today, we still see as well uh, aggression going both ways. Sexual aggression and control, we've got that problem. Showing no emotion or suppressing emotions. Hyper-competitiveness, needing to dominate or control others, a tendency towards or glorification of violence, isolation, low empathy, sense of entitlement, chauvinism, and sexism. The saying, boys will be boys. It advocates for careless, aggressive, or otherwise damaging behavior in young males. Now, if we've got now a second, or you can call it a third pandemic. Now, if the sense of meaning, a sense of purpose within the spirituality space, we then look at it in terms of how are the relationships, men, women, or in any way, you know, any other gender-based engagements, if they are devoid of all of these things, how much of harmonious engagement that can we go into in terms of creating an environment or a space of spiritual fulfillment. Now, a book that I, that I penned back in 2011 is called The Weeping Tiger. It's a book for families that looks into all of these elements. How do we unlearn certain behaviors? How do we detox ourselves of certain thoughts, certain emotions that enables the context of relational dynamics to be enforced and infused in a different way. We say in this term, how then do we go and even redefine? And where I said in this book is toward the journey of self-discovery for men, which can only benefit relationships with fellow men, women, and children. Now, the contextualization of spirituality within a social context as well, uh, taken further, is how best do we then align our societal values and norms to self? I live in this society, but I am in total contradiction with what that society or that area does. How does it in, infuse in me a, a sense of belonging or not belonging to that very element? To what extent do we go through adjustment to societal changes? When society changes, does my purpose, my meaning, my you know, sense of drive of living a meaningful life, does it change or, or does it remain the same? Because in whatever we do in terms of that social space, we still want to create harmony between ourselves and others. Whatever, whether it's a greeting, whether there's a culture in that particular societal space, it says, 
am I finding impression of self in that very environment in which I find myself? Now, we've got again contextualization of spirituality in an occupational context. To what extent as we engage on these issues, colleagues, we find that we, there's meaningful occupation. We are in meaningful occupations that promotes psychological availability and safety. The extent to which I find meaning in what I do. I find that the role that I occupy or the space in which I find myself, there's job progression, there's advancement. If there's none of these, how do those affect my sense of meaning purpose because there's an attachment in some instances. How then do I also go into income versus passion versus interest versus desperation? Some of us, we do what we do because we're desperate and it's a means to an income. Some of us are passionate even when you end less. Some of us remain very interested even when the environment is not conducive. But then how do we marry my sense of purpose meaning the values that I live by into an occupational space. The extent to which I find that I'm engaged in my work, meaning I can give of myself the resources, the extent of giving myself my emotional immersion, my cognitive immersion, I am fully available and I am engaged in my work, thereby breeding job satisfaction. At times I am there, but at times I'm not there. Now, the context as well of judging the space of spirituality and occupation is the extent to which we say, what is the extent of person job environment fit or misfit? Because at times we are not where we want to be because as a misfit, I ended here. I am I, getting promoted even though I'm less passionate about what I do. And we've got burnout. Self-imposed or prescribed, I ask to say the extent to which I can see that there's depletion of self, depletion of inner resources to do the work, yet I am here, then I'm saying I'm bent up. It, that's why I'm asking the question, self-imposed or prescribed? Now, again, there could be a either alignment or misalignment in terms of the leadership and organizational culture in which we find ourselves. If a person says, I am in a toxic work environment, Meaning the fact that you use the word toxic, you say it does not align with my spirituality, meaning it does not align with my purpose, it doesn't align with my values, it doesn't establish inner harmony in terms of what I do. So what is more important, work or passion, work engagement, work or the extent to which all of these are the expression of my spiritual being. Now, we take a moment of reflection and ask and, and make the following statement. Spirituality is dynamic. Note how you are changing and act decisively. We must understand that our needs and expectations in relationships, they change with our varying personal circumstances and should not be taken lightly. What I find okay today, if I don't find it okay tomorrow, I'm a dynamic being. What I find meaningful today and tomorrow I find meaningless, I am a dynamic being. So what we do is that we want to infuse, infuse your purpose in whatever you do. Find a representation of what lies within you in the work you do, 
in the service that you provide for others. I see me. That's why when you are in your element, most of what you do is effortless. And in conclusion, if it drains you and does not replenish, it is misplaced. If it does not ignite and only extinguishes, it is destructive. If it breeds internal conflict, contradiction and confusion, it needs attention, clarity, and resolution. I conclude by saying, working oneself is a lifetime project. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Spiral Alert Lifestyle Podcast. Make sure to visit our website on www.spiralello.co.za where you can connect with us on our social media platforms, book a one-on-one consultation with Dr. Diao, plan your next retreat, or join our health and well-being lifestyle programs. If you found value in this show, we would appreciate you sharing it with friends and family, or leaving us your thoughts in the comments section, or send us an email to info at spiralello.co.za. Your voice matters. Be sure to stay tuned for our next episode for all things health and wellness. Your health begins in conversation. Your lifestyle is the medicine. Yours in health, the Spiral Allo team.